Bienvenidos, welcome to Atrévete Now con JD, I Dare You, by yours truly, Suleika, also known as Jelly Bean. I want to thank everyone who is listening today and just give you a quick reminder that this podcast provides informational content, support, and community perspective on mental health from a Bronx native lens. This is not a replacement for professional mental health treatment or any other services. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance, please seek guidance from a qualified mental health professional or appropriate healthcare service provider. Now, let's get to this episode. On today's episode, which is part eight of Bronx Roots, right? Navigating, you know, mental health journeys through a Bronx Latina native lens. I would love to talk about my own personal experience, right? Um, in my blog, I recently talked about how as a young Latina girl, I was the interpreter, the interpreter in my home trying to translate not only bills for medical information, phone calls, collections, police officers coming in to visit ever so often, even translating things that my parents were unable to translate themselves. You see, many times the jargon sent in the mail by companies is just that, jargon, heavy jargon used to kind of get the clientele afraid of what the next steps are and they kind of end up doing what they want them to do just sign and technically give their life away i'm not saying that that's their primary goal but from my experience that kind of has been it have you ever had that one person knock on your door give you a new service for your con bill and that it's going to turn out well and then your family ends up signing up for it and then they realize that their con bill is like thousand dollars bingo you just got trapped into what is called quota right every company has a sense of quota that they would like to receive as well as ems right it takes more effort and money to come to a home to pick up someone who needs care than it does from somebody actually walking into a clinic however our insurance ideally will cover that but they don't talk about that. They don't tell us the amount of bills that we pile as a Latino culture and community when we go call the ambulance, when NYPD comes to our doorstep, when we say yes to any basically caller or collective agency who is trying to get our money's worth. Now, many times I've heard the sentences or the phrase of, we lack the effort. No tenemos la intencione. Like, we didn't want to do it you know we live in this country for x amount of years we should know the language or we should know what type of services are available but how can we when the language translated into the services that are available aren't even remotely close to the language that we speak you see i'm rooted from central america honduras and so we don't use the vosotros nosotros the tu the you know ustedes we kind of use vos which is like a dialect of like quote-unquote ghetto i know it's weird however it kind of puts us in a space where we have to know what spain language is in order to be able to kind of translate our own dialect into a conversation be held with like a mental health professional now I don't know about y'all, but I've gone through so many therapists, so many medical providers, 
just to find one that related to me, looked like me, or had a hint of sass like me. Now, I got pregnant at 21 and having my son, my GYN was a white woman. And although she was lovely, kind, and very soft-spoken, I was more afraid of telling her the truth of what I was feeling in my body than I was of telling my mom that I was pregnant. And no joke, I got smacked for that. So <laughs> besides the point of that, me being afraid to tell my medical professional GYN, like, hey, these are the feelings I'm having physically in my body was more terrifying than being smacked by my mother for saying I'm pregnant at 21 years old. Like, can we just put this together right now? It's that language barrier. Even though I was born and raised in New York City, oh, the Bronx, of course, I did not realize how much Spanish was my primary language. And I didn't realize how impactful it was when I was staring at a white person. Not to say that white people don't understand or don't try to learn the language. It's not the same though. It doesn't resonate as equally. When we think about the intersections of everyday life, right? Where it comes to the community you're raising, the building you grew up in, the school you went to, the people you hung out with or were raised with, your family, migration, language, culture, food, etc. How would a white person or a Caucasian individual know how to relate to that? The common factor is, oh, we have an education, we can assist you, we have cultural competency. But what happened to the sensitivity part of just speaking to me like a person who is pregnant, who's 21, who's gone through ex tremendous trauma in her life, and although I know the language, I almost felt like I didn't belong. Now imagine the person who just speaks Spanish, who is unable to capture the English language in a way that I did and still struggles every day in seeking those services. So how do we navigate mental health in the Bronx community? They say that you can find it everywhere in every neighborhood, in every block, in every area of like 161 all the way to Mount Eden or even Fordham or University Ave you or even Allerton or Norwood you're able to find organizations in these spaces that are more inclined for our community base who live there but how much funding is really allocate, allocated to the services that they provide in comparison to the services that we find in the Upper East Side Upper West Side you know downtown Brooklyn and even in Queens I tends to notice um, the discrepancies and the equitable situations where we they're not equitable, it's not equally distributed, and the services are not the same. Back in 2012, I worked with one of the largest organizations, nonprofit of New York City, and I got to work with the entire Bronx borough. It was then where I realized the amount of services that are unknown of. There are over a thousand nonprofit organizations in the Bronx alone, and I only knew about 10 before I got this job. What does that say? I was born and raised in the Bronx, and I only knew about 10 nearby community organizations that service the community. 
However, we had a thousand plus programs in the Bronx alone. Mind-boggling. Um, a year in, I then ended up being a supervisor. I went up and I got to supervise other individuals who were working with the neighborhoods and the boroughs. And I got to see that, okay, so collectively we have almost 3,000 to 4,000 nonprofit organizations in New York City and only about 20% of that was Latino based. What? It seems like a lot, right? 20% on Latino base. But they don't go as far as it needs to, right? Because if I can find a Latino organization in the Heights that is thriving and giving to the community literally almost every single day of their existence, well, how come I can't find the same type of organization in the South Bronx by 161 or by Melrose? or by Mount Eden. Why do we need to go to another side of near Manhattan, honestly speaking, to even get services that resonate with the language that we grew up in? I don't know about you, but I think when we start talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, language, resources, we kind of forget to realize the complexities that come with the type of services we get. One thing is the quality and the other thing is the quantity, right? It doesn't matter how many organizations we have that are dedicated to Latino culture. The fact that it's not done according to the culture within those neighborhoods, then does it really matter? Maybe, maybe not. But the quality of the organization and the distribution of their services impact how we approach those organizations for help. Help, big word there, like I said, kind of reversing back to me being pregnant. I needed help. I didn't, under, I didn't understand the intensity of what my body would go through to have a child. I didn't know that I would need to worry about chromosomes. I would need to worry about fingers and toes and lungs and, you know, abnormalities. I didn't know I had to take tests and all I knew was that I was just following whatever the doctors were telling me, not knowing what I was getting myself into. It's like sitting in a room, getting a clipboard of your consent, right? Quote unquote, informed consent. And as a social worker, I find this very um, funny because in the medical profession, informed consent, when I'm reading it, it's so small. It's like fine print. It's like three, four, 10 pages at times. And I'm literally initialing every single page to say, basically, I need you to do this, whether or not it may or may not harm me, slash kill me, slash create an abnormality. I trust that you will do it, but I will not legally bind you to the outcome of this procedure or this examination or consultation. Now, when you think about it, how does that impact my experience? Well, because I speak English, because I am born and raised in New York City, South Bronx, it is known or it is assumed that I understand the information that's being given to me. Not, or unbeknownst to them, I didn't. I did not understand the jargon. I did not understand what I was getting myself into. And there were so many things that I wish I could have not done. And now I'm in a different MySpace 
am, am learning that I could opt out of certain things, whether it is my own belief, whether it's my own experience or whether there's science behind it, I have the opportunity to have a choice. These barriers in our community restrict the idea of a choice. As a Latina born and raised in the heart of the South Bronx, I learned that I needed to embrace and embody my culture the more I got older. And it's disheartening to know that I didn't do it sooner, even though I did play the role of a mediator, a translator, interpreter, um, the person who would, you know, transport family to wherever they need to go and reading legal documents and, you know, going to front of a court and understanding what an eviction notice is. I am a young middle schooler. Why am I even in the middle of these adult conversations, even though in spaces at home in a sala in the comfort of my living room, I was not allowed in these adult conversations. But when they needed me up front and center to translate something for the courts, for the police officer, for EMT, for whoever. Oh, Sulekita was up front and center. She was a go-to girl. Have her translate. And it was just disheartening. Like, how can I do that? But then in the living room space, in my own comfort, my own home, I was blocked to even participate in these adult conversations given some of them were not for a child. However, does not mean that I was not subjected to some of those information and needed clarity. So moving on, as we get into part A of Bronx Roots and trying to navigate my own personal journey in this, I wonder, have you been the translator of your family? Have you been the mediator? Have you gotten to see the extent of the resources that we have in New York City and are they equally distributed to everyone? Do you believe it's equitable? And if you don't, then what do you want to do about it? What can we do about it? Part B, I'm going to be diving a little more deeper into the things that we can do, the things that I have done in the past to kind of put myself up front and center in the past 12 years that I have dedicated my career in the human service field. One thing that I pride myself in is working with community organizations, both on a macro level on a meso level and on a micro level and to be part of the change because if it ain't seen by me if i'm not navigating it then how can the next person who comes from my country even believe that this shit is authentic i like to be the one to be genuine to be unapologetically authentic in the spaces where people see me and i am comfortable with that you will see me with a lipstick purple, dark lipstick, you name it, hoop earrings, hair curly, hair straightened, however moves I feel with my dunks, with my J's, doesn't matter. I'm that type of social worker who walks into the room and you know where I come from. I don't strive to be your typical target fashion um, forward social worker. I am literally your walking from the South Bronx girl letting you know that I'm here to show you that I can still do the job, even though if I represent the place that I came from. And so with that being said, I look forward to part B of this podcast, season one, episode one, to continue the conversation on how we can build additional resources 
welcome more funding and understand how to work together to help our family, friends, and communities to work together for a better everyday living. Thanks. Peace out. Until next time.